What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. What is up, everyone? I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and welcome to another episode of Crossover Commerce, episode 111 of Crossover Commerce. This is my corner of the internet where I bring the best experts in the Amazon and e-commerce industry, sharing their insights on the most important aspects of selling online. There have been many evolutions of launching products online, and even today, there's no exception of that. But following Amazon's guidelines, sellers always ask me specifically, what is the correct in right way to launch a product. Well, we're going to kind of dive into that topic today. My talk today is with Joshua Porter of Elite Seller Software. We're going to be covering ways to make the most efficient product launch possible and asking uh, any other kind of questions that might bring up with launching products. If you're watching us uh, for the first time or the 111th time, you know that this is an interactive podcast. So if you have questions or are watching on Facebook, LinkedIn, or YouTube, go ahead and ask those in the comment section, and we'll make sure we get to those right away during this episode. If you watch later on, go ahead and still tag us in that uh, with that question in the comment section, and we'll make sure we get those answers to you right away. But of course, as always, Crossover Commerce is presented by Ping Pong Payments. Ping Pong transfers more than $150 million a day for e-commerce sellers just like you, helping over 1 million customers now worldwide. Ping Pong has processed over $90 billion in cross-border payments. To start saving money today, go ahead and sign up for a free account through that link below in the comments section. So if you're watching us in that comment section or on YouTube, go ahead and click in the summary and you'll be able to find that link to sign up for free today. Uh, no cost to sign up. It You can save yourself by paying your suppliers, manufacturers, VAs, anyone in the world to over 170 different countries by paying them in local currency. There's no better way, especially when you're an Amazon seller, putting more percentages back to your bottom line. So Ping Pong can help you do that. Want to check it out later after this episode, of course. Uh, but about our guest today, Joshua Porter started selling in e-commerce back in 2009, selling his possessions in his apartment on eBay, just like the American dream, right? Uh, his uh, He actually grew his eBay business and sold it to his partner in 2014, started selling on Amazon actually in late 2015 and early six, 2016. Uh, launching there and going to a coding school while going to coding school in Colorado. He later decided in 2018 to become a service provider for Amazon sellers, focusing primarily on product launches, product inserts, and post-purchase retargeting, social media ads, mini chat, and building raving fan bases. Um, the company that Josh actually works for is Elite Seller, which is the ultimate all-in-one Amazon seller suite built to manage and launch your accounts from zero to $100 million and beyond. Elite Seller provides solutions for new sellers, seasoned veterans, agencies, and multinational Amazon companies. You can scale your business with customized dashboards, customer data, order tracking, and product launch tools, and more all rolled into one single software. Welcome to Crossover Commerce, Josh Reporter of Elite Seller. Josh, welcome to Crossover Commerce. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well. That's one heck of an introduction, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And uh, you're coming off hot from uh, some networking actually in Miami. So uh, where are you actually located uh, right now? In, where in the world, I should say, are you located, man? Where in the world is Joshua Porter? This Joshua like, Porter, exactly. Yeah. That rolls off the tongue. I'm in Carmen, San Diego. Uh, I'm actually in Mexico. <laughs> I'm in Mexico right now. I'm in Leon, Mexico. 
Okay, gotcha. And that's where Elite Seller is located, correct? Uh, that's where one of our offices is, yes. One of your offices, awesome. So that, that was just kind of a quick uh, overview of you and e-commerce. Super fascinating that you started in eBay and then transitioned over to Amazon. Were you always an entrepreneur or what's kind of that background of how you got into things on the uh, e-commerce side? Well, it's funny that you actually asked that. I was working for a real estate company and actually just wanted to do something on the side. I decided to leave that job and I actually opened my first eBay store, which was called Stuff Inside My Apartment Emporium. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> that was literally the name. And I pretty much sold everything inside my apartment except for my cat, my bed, my laptop. What, what reason because of that? That's just the inventory you had on hand or you're just mm -hmm. strapped for cash? What was kind of that, that mentality? I was definitely strapped for cash and I definitely wanted to pay my rent and not get evicted. So that was <laughs> the start of it. And then afterwards, I started doing uh, retail arbitrage and online arbitrage. I would visit uh, Haven Hospices, I would visit Walmarts, and I would just buy a bunch of stuff online and primarily electronics and just sell them for a markup on, on eBay. And the profit margins were huge, surprisingly. And eBay was extremely forgiving. So, so self-taught, self just selling literally anything and everything that you can get your hands on that you knew you could sell uh, at a higher price, right? Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. Uh, I'd say one of my best items that I remember selling, I got probably like a thousand units of this, was these water bottles with these giant filtration systems in them. And just selling those, I, I didn't even understand what I was doing at that time, just selling single units. And I was like, wait, I can bundle these. I can do two packs and three packs and six packs. And just started doing that myself. I was doing it all out of my apartment. Um, I had friends that would give me uh, electronics from the university because uh, I, I lived in Gainesville at the time. So I had friends that would give me uh, Apple mice, Apple keyboards, all these really expensive Apple tools. And I would just clean them up and repackage them and sell them as refurbished. Interesting. How, how are you like, was it just a entrepreneur's mindset in terms of how are you what were you really focused on? Was it just a collection? You said just a collection. So it was a mishmash of products or what was mm -hmm. kind of the, this is what I'm only going to be focusing on. Almost like a, a seller would be nowadays, like finding a niche and sticking with it. Your, yours was just kind of a shotgun approach, right? It was a shotgun at first. And then it narrowed down into electronics and it also narrowed down. You're probably going to find this corny uh, video games. That's video not corny. I mean, they're, like, they're very profitable. They're very profitable, actually. Exactly. Exactly. You can go to GameStop. You can go to Rhino if Rhino still exists, or you can reach out to friends. Uh, primarily, I sourced a lot on Craigslist at that time, and then when I actually found vendors and decent websites where I can buy in bulk, that's what really actually changed the game for me. So you you transitioned over to Amazon for what reason? Just because of you hit your cap with eBay, or what was that transition due to? I actually wanted to start something fresh. I was growing really tired of selling on eBay. I'd been doing it for a very long time and I just wanted to like reinvigorate myself and do something new. So I sold the rest of my business off to my business partner, moved to Colorado, went to coding school. And that's when I started finding out about Amazon. And uh, it was essentially like the same cycle, right? Learning about retail arbitrage, online arbitrage, and then of course the beautiful FBA model. So that, right. was, that was a transition for me. And that learning Amazon while going to coding school is a massive uphill battle. I was going to say, not just learning coding, which is in itself, me, myself, I only know basics of coding, but that, and also trying to figure out the algorithms and also what's successful on Amazon, as you know, it's a full-time job now. So you're probably doing full-time student, full-time job, all in one. Back in the wild west, we call that the wild west days, or at least I do, wild mm -hmm. west days of Amazon, right? When everything was booming on FBA. So... What was, what was it like starting out during that time frame? Differences between eBay versus Amazon. Was it pretty stark back then? 
Mm -hmm. It was a massive difference, right? Because on eBay, what you could essentially do, you can create your own listings. You don't really need to use any of the formulaic approach that Amazon wants, where they want a perfect white background. You can have your own backdrops that you want. You can edit your images the way that you like. You can put additional information in your images. You can, you can essentially do your own HTML and your CSS on your listings. And you can link a gallery of products or you can have a bunch of extensions that you can just roll in to showcase your entire catalog that you have on eBay. And the communication is a little bit different. You can actually communicate with buyers directly on eBay versus on Amazon. You really can't actually do that too much. So the learning curve to operate on Amazon versus eBay was a night and day difference. You know, it's just it's a completely different beast because Amazon has a very catalog and approachable way of actually listing their products versus just the uh, you, you can kind of do what you want free for all approach on Amazon. Yeah. On eBay, I was going to say, even nowadays, it feels it feels very disconjointed where it's not it doesn't flow. There's no guidelines that you would want to uh, buy even something on eBay, let alone sell something. So I'm I'm assuming that's a very difficult process to figure out what's successful. Unlike on Amazon, where you you and your team over at Elite Seller really know the processes of what's doing well with Amazon. So you sold, you were selling, I'm looking at the timeline again, 2015, 16, so two years, and then 2018, you want to switch to a service provider. That's a pretty stark difference. So what, why, why the jump instead of sticking with selling online? Because you're not still selling, are you? No, I'm not a seller. Okay. So what, what made that jump to being a software provider or service provider, I should say? Yeah, absolutely. It was due to time constraints and just overall... I'm just going to say a little bit of burnout, a little bit of burnout of just constantly being on seller platforms and can, and can, uh, dealing with TOS because Amazon's TOS is far different than eBay's TOS. Like eBay, they'll, they'll be like, don't do that. And you'll be like, okay. And then you can do it again. And you're like, Hey, and you can just have this back and forth, but Amazon's very strict. And at that time when I was launching products, obviously the best way that you could actually gather reviews or get any traction on that was you could just go to a group on Facebook and you could purchase a litany of reviews that would instantaneously boost your listing to uh, page one, position one, keywords weren't really factored in. So there was a lot of change that happened in that time frame around 2016 um, right. from where Amazon is now. And right at that time when I launched my products on Amazon, uh, surprisingly, I had just captured a bunch of reviews and all those reviews instantaneously got wiped because Amazon did one of its, its first of many purchases at that moment. So that was just a little bit of a kick in the shins right there to just see all that work and energy um, just go down the window. And uh, afterwards, I actually stayed around in the Amazon community. I still plan on uh, actually getting back into selling very soon. And what I ended up doing was finding some mentors, learning learning the service provider uh, structure for Amazon sellers. And that's when I started doing that. That's amazing. And, and you're right. I think a lot of people back in the day, they always mentioned it was so much easier back then. You could just go to Alibaba, find a product, throw it online, mm -hmm. and basically just sit there and let it roll in. As long as you had a legitimate uh, sourcing or any sort of structure, and you kind of could stay ahead of the game. Now it's a little bit more where Amazon sellers come into play, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. The barrier to entry has become much more high, uh, and as you continue to elevate your brand, there's a lot more hurdles to hop over. So as a service provider, you're constantly at the mercy of me being in the service space and in the SaaS space before, you're at the mercy of Amazon changing its TOS at the drop of a hat. How's that, how's that changed for you in terms of being ingrained with the community, but also how as, 
as a software side, being able to effectively help other sellers at the drop of how when Amazon decides to change everything, because you have to change your backend sometimes. Is that true? Yeah, that is actually true. And that's a great question that you asked. So um, being in all these different unique spaces that I'm in, in regards to the line of work that I do, uh, you have to pretty much keep your ear to the ground and your finger on the pulse at all times. Because if you start catching windfalls of these changes coming up, it's best to be prepared for something like that to happen instead of waiting for the event to actually happen and then uh, essentially doing a course correct. Because there's nothing harder than doing a 90 degree or complete 180 degree turn when you're in the middle of rolling out an integration or an update and now you have to change everything based on uh, whatever's happening on Amazon, based on whatever they decide to change overnight. So it could be a bit challenging, but uh, staying staying in tune and essentially having really good connections as to uh, what's going on will help you stay ahead of the curve. 100%. And so our topic today is going to be launching products. You mentioned it before. You used to be able to just throw products out there. You used to solicit reviews through just Facebook groups, everyone go on there. You could either do rebates, you can do coupons, uh, cash back, however you want to deem that definition. It all still very much is still in play, but Amazon's terms of service is pretty great in this area. So that being said, what is the most efficient way to launch products in 2021? Uh, whether that's all those tools that we mentioned before, or is there something that many people are not talking about in launching products? Yeah, absolutely. So influencer marketing, uh, influencer marketing is a really great way to actually uh, launch products. You can also use Facebook ads. You can obviously PPC is still one of the main ways that you can launch products on Amazon because essentially they're bringing in all the traffic for you. And all you have to do is just maximize your uh, maximize your conversion on those keywords. But uh, what I would believe is the best and most efficient way to launch products in 2021 is using landing pages and landing pages are easy. They're lightweight, they're flexible. Um, over here at Elite Seller, we have an application called Funnels. And with that application, it's essentially a single product landing page that's designed to do everything from start to finish when it comes to uh, helping you, helping you uh, get the information that you need on your listing, showing you all the information in regards to the rebate and giving clear and efficient instructions on how to actually purchase this product, even by pulling in uh, your your product description, your reviews on that listing, and just getting uh, getting a person to convert because conversions are harder and harder as time as time goes on. Um, keywords are often really hard to actually maximize for over over an extended period of time. So this is a great way to actually capture that lead, get them through the process, and make sure that they're qualified all the way through. Amazing. So so building our landing page and directing traffic almost like a two step URL. Are we doing two step URL or search find buy? What what's the processes that people can understand? When building out a landing page is it more of a direct to listing what, what's what's that process like yeah absolutely so we already give you everything that you need and all you just really need to do is just hook up your amazon account to our software and we pretty much give you a pretty much a curated template as to how everything's actually going to work um, we give you multiple search find buy methods so we can have it be direct link so it can be a direct product link it can be search find buy with a fallback url or it can be an index search and our system is actually checking to see if you're indexed for those keywords so if you actually choose that keyword and we, and we see that it's on page one, two or three, we can easily guide the person and give them instructions. Hey, all you have to do, check on the first three pages. If you don't find it, don't worry. We got your back. Click this button. We'll direct you right over to the product and then you can just purchase it and come back with your order ID. So you're not just sticking with one process. You're actually serving on multiple different levels, all mm -hmm. these different tactics that people have done in the past to find your product listing. Very fascinating. So 
for you guys, what's the most successful component of driving rank? Is it search find buy or is it um, direct um, two-step URL? What, what was it, what is that conversion like for you guys? So obviously search find buy is the best and most efficient way of doing it. Just having that organic search, opening a new tab for somebody on Amazon, giving them a keyword that they can easily copy it, giving them an image of the product that they can locate and cross-reference and then coming back after they purchase it to complete the process to get that full conversion. Um, what I would say makes us truly unique is that even when we generate these URLs for you, you can swap out, you can adjust these funnels or any one of our integrations on the fly. So you don't actually have to spend a bunch of time and minutia and energy in this massive learning curve in order to update it. You can simply just go and edit it and it just updates instantaneously. And the whole purpose of this and with everything that's on our that's on our software is to make it easier for Amazon sellers to actually do what they need to do on a daily basis. Because obviously um, you have to have a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of pans in the fryer uh, to run your Amazon business. And there's a lot of moving parts at any given moment. So what we can do is just by putting all that information in one easily digestible platform, we're making it easier for them to manage their business, manage their team and get everything up and running as efficiently as possible. That's really cool. And I like, and I like the process of, you being able to not have to have your eyes always on directing traffic to make sure they go through the flows. It's almost like an automated system, if you will. But what if you have a seller that comes to you and say, listen, I'm afraid that Amazon's going to check IPs. They're going to see my community. They're going to think it's not legitimate. What's kind of the combat or the the pros to doing it this way versus in the past? What, what What's the actual differentiating factors? So yeah, differentiating factors, I would say a lot of Amazon sellers, they used to use utilize Facebook groups. They'd have these private groups where all that information can easily just be gathered and checked upon over time. You know, you see the same three people constantly purchasing all your products across the board and that information could easily be triangulated. The beautiful thing about our platform is that we have multiple checks and balances all the way through. So even if you're using it for your own list or you're just doing cold traffic or you're doing lukewarm traffic off of Pinterest or or uh, excuse me, uh, Pinterest, Etsy, or uh, or Reddit, right there. Um, we can actually check to see if this person's viable and one that they're not only in the country that we're not having multiple purchases on the same IP address over time. That this person doesn't appear on any kind of blacklist. That they're using decent emails. And what that's designed to do is just bring a surety when it comes to that that qualified person, making sure that they actually purchase the product and that you're getting a, a genuine qualified lead throughout the entire process. I was gonna say, so in this capacity, for people who may not know this process, if they're beginner mar uh, sellers or they've launched in different capacities, your this process would be incentivizing somebody at whether it's a certain percentage off or a discount to purchase as said product. In this case, it could be anything. Mm -hmm. um, what Two questions for you. Mm -hmm. If I'm a seller, I have to build up my own organic basically uh, following, correct? Like this would be the first way, this would be the first step in this regards, um, building that up. What are some tips to build out an audience initially to send out this, you know, this landing page that you're creating an elite seller to drive traffic to your eventual listing? Is that is that the first step or am I missing something there? You could say that's the first step. It could be part of the first step or it could be the last step, depending on how you look at it. Obviously building out, knowing what keywords that you're actually going to target on Amazon and knowing the weight that you want to give, total number of rebates over time, um, the offer that you're going to bring to the marketplace and 
that would be essentially the first part. I would say the second part is having your audience or having your, your ad or whatever hook that you're using to bring people in as the second part. So I would say a great way to do this is, especially if you're not selling me too products, is you can easily drill down. Let's say, for example, you're using Facebook as your, as your lead source, right? If you're gonna use Facebook as your lead source, you can easily just target people based on interest, which a lot of people don't do. They'll just do, oh, they like free products, they like amazon.com, and I say, no, no, do the complete opposite. You wanna actually know who these people are. If you're selling a product that's, let's say, camping gear, and it's in the middle of winter, um, you could target warmer states, right? So it's actually thinking about your product, thinking about your launch, and thinking about who's actually going to get this. And again, not all states are great for camping. So I'm gonna use this analogy, I'm gonna use this example throughout, uh, throughout our discussion. So uh, I used to actually live in Colorado. Colorado is a great camping state. You're not gonna wanna target camping gear for the entire United States, right? Somebody that lives in New York and you're just like, they're, they're, they're in like giant buildings all the time. Maybe they don't have the space or the capacity or the want to actually go camping. People in California, right. perfect. Utah, perfect. Florida, eh, depends, right? Uh, <laughs> if you want a gator in your tent later on that day. <laughs> I, I would say more, more, more of a panther. I'd be, I'd be more concerned about Our panthers panther than a gator. <laughs> Okay. But just same, knowing same. How, to, how to curate your audience and knowing who to actually target. So if you're going to pick uh, if you're going to pick a product that you know that has a very unique audience, you're going to want to capture that audience. Like truly stereotype, I hate to actually say this, but truly stereotype the perfect buyer that you'd want. And that's going to help you figure out who you need to target. And again, Facebook gives a ton of different options on where you can choose. So you can age, gender, uh, uh, what their interests are. And you could just pick from there versus doing a general catch-all. And again, with our system, we're also checking to make sure that they're in the United States. So anybody that's coming in off of VPN or any kind of proxy network, they're not going to be able to get through. Right. So staying in that, stay in that vein, if you will, how do you, how big of an audience would an efficient, you know, product launch strategy be like if I, if I'm you or if you're me, how big of an audience do I have to build out to feel comfortable so I can effectively launch this campaign? Yeah, yeah, that's actually a great question. So what I like to say is based on the total number of rebates or giveaways or um, whatever, whatever terminology that you wanna use, that's an easy way to determine how large of an audience. I tend to not go with a massive audience. I tend to go with a very, very specific audience and especially when it comes to Facebook ads, right? Um, it's all about your reach. So people, obviously they would probably want to see the ad on multiple occasions before they actually click and convert. And they might not get through some of the, uh, some of the checks and balances that we have uh, based on their qualification or their buyer history using one of our platforms in the past. So I would say in that instance, I would say go for a nice healthy audience around 4 million. I know that may seem like a lot, but in, 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 in the greater aspect of things, not everybody's actually going to click. So right. with that, that's actually going to keep your ad cost fairly low. It's going to keep your conversion rate really high and you're going to get consistent metrics across the board. And besides, it makes it really easy when somebody can actually just come back and they can pick up where they left off, especially if we've already hit our cap for the day. So it, how is, how would that be considered? How are, so you're looking at that audience, obviously, if you're looking at page one, for example, and you know that uh, the top seller, best seller in this case would be 50 units a day. You're doing the math backwards is what you're saying of, mm -hmm. Hey, 50 units a day. If I'm looking at it, I'm assuming for you, what's an efficient launch window, 14 to 21 days. What, what's an effective from zero, literally starting your launch campaign mm -hmm. all the way up to bestseller. What's that window look like? 
So from recent launch data that we've collected over here at Elite Seller, it actually goes to show that Amazon favors longer launch periods versus a shorter launch period. Um, obviously, we want to capture more keywords over time uh, because there's no point in doing these short burst launches, having your listing skyrocket to page one and then immediately flop. Um, the overall approach, in my personal opinion, is to go for more mid-tail, longer-tail keywords than the more aggressive short-tail keywords because you're trying to compete with people that have been on page one, position one for anywhere up to six months over to two years. Like to actually try to capture their sales, you're going to be literally lighting money on fire. So I'd say go for the best way that you can actually be most efficient and go after keywords that they may have dropped the ball on a long time ago and they don't plan on coming back for, for that. And then over time, obviously start chipping away at your competition and get yourself up into page one, position two, position three, and just work it from there. You don't need to try to be the most aggressive and try to knock out the top 10 sellers right there. It's, it's honestly, that'd be, if you're a brand new seller, that's, that could be a very ludicrous and expensive approach. Um, and that could cost you your business right there. So be mathematical and be pragmatic about it and approach it from a very, uh, very sophisticated standpoint. You know, you may not be in paper, uh, you may not be position one right now, but you could be position one in six months. Right. And, and I think that's how Amazon is now rewarding most people now is not the short burst of energy, basically rocket fuel, right? You mm -hmm. want to maintain that momentum along the ways. They're going to flag if all of a sudden you're at zero and the number one seller is 15 mm -hmm. units a day and you get 50. They're going to be like, wait a minute, why is all of a sudden in this random product out of nowhere, no sales history, mm -hmm. no, no data that we can kind of tie back to. It's going to quickly launch like that. They're going to flag something like that and either remove you or not reward those efforts. So that being said, you're, you're talking about long play the long game instead of the, the short burst of boom, you're done in 10 days, your launch strategy is over, you've wasted money, you've wasted effort, and your ranking may not be there for a, for a long while either. So interesting in that regards. What about, so we talked about Facebook ads. Is there mm -hmm. other, there are other units or other avenues to launching a product that not a lot of people are taking advantage of that you think i feel like the most consistent one would be facebook groups in building an audience mm -hmm. you kind of alluded to pinterest ads or at, through etsy some other kinds of non-traditional uh forms of gaining traction or awareness is there other ones that we might be missing yeah, there's obviously Instagram, there's YouTube. Uh, YouTube is a very massive way to actually gain traction on any listing, right? Uh, especially if you have if you have if you have a micro influencer with a with a decent audience, you can get them to promote your product. So it also, in, in my personal opinion, it really depends on the product that you're that you're bringing to the marketplace, right? Because you could have a regular Me Too product that everybody else is copying, and there's really no flavor that's going to make this product pop. But if you have a very unique product that you uh, that you've spent a lot of time in development and you understand that this is going to really shake up the marketplace um, for, for those buyers, then reach out to micro influencers on on Instagram. You can contact anybody on YouTube. Usually they're open to any kind of promotion. Um, you can even do Reddit. And I can tell you that a unique one that probably most people won't even consider is, is Twitch. So Twitch.tv. Right there, right. you have streamers right over there promoting your product. They could have a little banner on the side. They could easily do a quick plug. If you're doing any kind of like energy drinks or any kind of like gaming supplements or any kind of like um, any kind of arts and crafts, you can break the uh, the influencer down by niche on Twitch as a platform. And you could say, hey, uh, this is pretty cool. I'd love to be able to partner with you. Is this something that you'd be open with? And just you know, do the shotgun approach on that. 
Reddit's a great way to actually do that. You can promote your products on Reddit. So all these different platforms out there, they're serving to drive a purpose, right? Bring in external traffic to Amazon. And again, what we want is to be able to focus on conversions. And uh, a beautiful thing about Elite Seller as a platform, we can actually focus on conversion rate uh, per product, which is really rare. We can also focus on tacos and ACOS per product. So we can see that all broken down, especially when it comes to product launches. You don't want your conversion rate to be through the roof because that's just a telltale sign that you're just flooding massive traffic and that you're essentially incentivizing purpose, uh, purchases to quote unquote manipulate the algorithm. So again, our entire system is made to be as easy as easy as possible. And again, you can use any of these launch platforms, especially with funnels, and you can just tie them together because simply it's a URL. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's very fascinating to hear you say that I hear lots of people even not even look at, uh, the capacity of performance marketing, right? We're talking about performance marketing. I mean, click attribution for, for influencers, but also even as simply as coupon sites or deal sites in terms of listing a product, I know you'd be doing some sort of coupon code on your listing, but also tying that into a uh, part of your launch program, maybe down the road after, 100%, um, you know, 100% uh, per, uh, purchases made and you're giving rebates in different capacities, but then you can front load that and say, hey, we're giving a discount of like $5 or something like that mm -hmm. to a $20 product and putting it on those sites to get high traffic. People are looking for great products. They're unique in niche um, and, and making sure that it applies to uh, that, that audience as well. So do you guys work with any sort of affiliate like affiliate programs or i know you said uh influencers do you even work with like deal sites or any sort of other um websites out there that kind of use editorial content to promote almost like a buzzfeed if you will or a hey like 20 products under uh for christmas mm -hmm. that are unique and different hmm that's actually a really good question and that might be something that we might have might or might not have cooking on the back end of elite seller so i can't really uh I can't really disclose too much about that. But uh, what I can say is that uh, the flexibility of what we have with any of our integrations is it's going to allow you to put it pretty much anywhere. So you can actually make those connections and you could say, hey, this is a wonderful product that we're promoting. And I would say something that's even more unique is that um, what we can do is instead of doing something like actively promoting uh, on other platforms, we can actually recapture the audience uh, post-purchase because I feel that that is a huge marketplace uh, where a lot of sellers are just dropping the ball. Um, product inserts are not technically against TOS, but what, in, what is, is incentivizing any kind of process afterwards. So by simply having a QR code that can just lead them to a nether product or uh, essentially a discount for a product down the line or just a PDF guide or a warranty or any kind of follow-up like that, that's a great way to re-engage your audience. And then you could just essentially create your own group where you can offer your promotions over time, whether it just be coupon discounts, 25% off this, 50% uh, off that, or just uh, BOGO offers. So that's, yep. a, that's a wonderful way. We actually, uh, funny enough, we actually have a QR code generator within our system. So this allows you to generate your own unique QR codes and you can just easily put those on a product insert. And the best part about it is that you actually don't have to reprint your product inserts. You can just change the links on the back end and have any kind of random award that you want. So it's, it's so a pointing it to a different direction. Yeah. Instead mm -hmm. of reprinting the QR in general, that's really cool. Yeah. The only thing that you'd have to worry about reprinting is the language on your QR code. So just make sure it doesn't sound anything that's going to get you uh, that's going to get your account shut down. Just, you know, uh, scan here for a random prize or, Hey, we have a warranty follow-up or here's further instructions on how to use this product. And then 
you can easily take them in there and you can redirect them whichever way you want. So it's it's beautiful. We do all the work for you. We collect emails, phone numbers, we even verify addresses for for warranty follow up in case anything happens to the product so we can just ship it out for you. Is warranty the number one thing that Amazon would be okay with? Because I feel even warranty, if you offer that on your product listing, it's going to be deemed more trustworthy than if you have a Michi product in this case. If you say, hey, we have a warranty for like a year, lifetime warranty, whatever that looks like, mm -hmm. it's going to be deemed more valuable in Amazon's eyes as well as the seller's or buyer's eyes. But if Amazon sees that you're putting in uh, – inserts into their in your product packaging or, or whatever that looks like mm -hmm. are they going to be more forgiving of i'm assuming warranty and then following on social media is there other ones that would deem like you said like free ebook or anything like that what where, where's like that line of if you say this then amazon's going to start looking into you a little bit more because you want to almost stay under the radar to a point of no we're not going to be a threat or detriment to your tos but we want to be they know that you're trying to build an audience. Does that make sense? Like they're not stupid, but you don't want to bring too much attention to that. that right. Sense. So I would say obviously carefully curating your language, whether it's in your product insert or in any kind of follow-up that you have is going to be crucial to your success, especially if Amazon starts looking into it and they start trying to peek under the hood. Um, I would say, you know, if you're interested or you or you want to know more about our company, you can check out our Facebook page versus just saying, hey, go like our Facebook page. You're going to get this if you do it. Right. Right. Um, there's a there's a massive difference in that. No also, promises, basically. Yeah, exactly. Promises or uh, any kind of guarantees, things like that. Those are probably going to get you more in trouble than anything else instead of just being suggestive about it. So, again, it's it's all about uh, what you it's all about how, uh, how you say it, not what you say. That makes sense. Sorry, I'm writing notes right now with um so launches obviously it's a it's a it's a delicate dance there's a lot of moving parts in this regards recently a lot of sellers have been notified whether you've been on the platform for six years plus or if you're a new seller that your inventory limits have completely been decimated essentially cut by a third cut by 60 percent, whatever that looks like hmm. how are you advising clients nowadays launching products with inventory that could be completely you know, just decimated one day and you have not, not enough inventory to rank for a long campaign, like you're suggesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's actually a really great question. This is something that I touched upon with, uh, in another discussion the other day. So I honestly feel that Amazon is actually be, you know, with these inventory restrictions, it's actually more favorable for, um, for newer sellers since the inventory cap limit is roughly around 10,000, 10,000 units per account. So if you're a brand new seller and you have one ASIN, you can bring in 10,000 units. Um, that's actually gonna be better for you versus a more seasoned seller that has uh, over 100 ASINs and they have a 10,000 unit cap. Uh, that's actually gonna be harder for them. But the beautiful thing about that is that you can do, uh, you can do FBA or FBM and limitations are on an ASIN level. Excuse me, uh, did a little, uh, needed to correct myself there. No, yeah, you're fine. It, <laughs> we want to make sure that the notes that you're getting right now in the background are are, uh, are relevant to our conversation. So, let's <laughs> good old Slack. Uh, that that's interesting that you say that. Do you do you find that a lot more sellers are going to have to go to FBM model and really incentivize not weighing down Amazon's? This is what a lot of people suggest or think. A lot of people are thinking that Amazon is just completely overwhelmed with back end that they just can't handle this, but it feels tactical in the sense of 
when it's coming up right now for a lot of big sellers, we're talking about Father's Day. We talked about this yesterday on our podcast, Father's Day. We're talking about Prime Day, typically in mid-June, maybe mid-July. It hasn't been officially announced yet. Is this all tactical on Amazon's front because they know there's going to be this influx of sales that are just going to wipe out inventory? Or what, what do you think Amazon's strategy is with bringing all these inventory limits down? To have buyers switch over to FBM models, right? You think uh, you think that's the ultimate gain for or a goal for them? Yeah, um, the biggest change that happened on Amazon, what I noticed, and pretty much everybody else did, was right around the start of COVID. You know, that's when the flood of inventory hit Amazon, and Amazon just could not keep up with it. So what they do, they essentially limited the amount of inventory that people could send in because they were just overwhelmed, right? They didn't have a uh, a healthy uh, check and balance system to be able to handle that massive amount of inventory that was being flooded in at that time because uh, sellers just knew that people were going to be at home all day and that they would be purchasing products because um, they would need to actually purchase that inventory somewhere and have it get shipped out in an efficient time frame. So that's what that's what I feel was one of the major catalysts to actually rolling that uh, rolling out that change. And then slowly Amazon's starting to realize over time that in these new emerging marketplaces that they have or ones that have already existed that they can't keep up with the level of inventory that keeps flooding in on a daily basis so they have to do something about it and they do inventory restrictions on an ASIN level now and obviously right. being able to take care of um, take care of your own inventory and still sell on that platform is still beneficial but now the time frame from when products actually move out is a little bit longer so you're still using Amazon as a way to deliver your goods, but you're still fulfilling that product yourself, essentially giving like giving the reins back to the seller in a way, which is really nice. But it still seems like it's not the um, the most thought out methodical process along the way. Right. I can see that. And I think you're right. I think this definitely benefits more of a beginner seller. I think this is scary for a lot of people because it, it it's so sudden and so unexpected. And like I said, with software in the back end, you have to prepare for anything. If inventory restrictions become such a huge part of, you know, uh, for sellers launching products or just, are they going to get rid of, uh, not high performing products that those are all decisions that people have to make on a day to day basis, almost pretty quickly, just so they can continue to pump out their best products. So as a beginner seller, you might be, you might have a shot more with these, uh, higher competing categories as well. What's kind of the, uh, so we're, we're talking about efficiency, long, long uh, launching products. And if you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube or LinkedIn, again, you can submit those questions. We actually had, um, we actually had a friend of both of ours, uh, Joshua from Ryan Reina saying Joshua Porter is half man, half amazing. So you have a, uh, a fan club there, Josh, uh, just wanted to let you know that, uh, thanks for watching on Facebook, Reina. Uh, what, what about, um, so launching products. I've heard this and I, and I didn't realize that this was such a big deal, depending on where your inventory actually sits in the FB where, FBA warehouse, you have to potentially geographically, Amazon could be suppressing listings on one side of the country versus the other because they want to make sure they fulfill it via prime uh, badge if, if it's in an FBA warehouse. Mm -hmm. Is that part of the strategy in terms of what you have to think about efficiently launching a product of, hey, Amazon's going to reward me if I'm focusing more on West Coast because my inventory is all in California or uh, Colorado warehousing. So in regards to that, if you are using geolocation to essentially map out where the best location is to launch your products based off of uh, where your inventory levels are, you could use that model 
or you can essentially have your inventory spread out across all the warehouses and wait for it to actually arrive, then launch your products. But that can take a little bit longer. Um, mm -hmm. Most sellers, they just kind of want to get that product up and running as soon as possible because obviously launching a product on Amazon is not necessarily cheap, right? It's a lot of investment. So they want to recoup that investment as best as possible. I really can't um, make that. That's actually more of a seller decision on their end. Um, that would be, that'd be something that I'm not the most privy on, to be honest with you. Okay, fair enough. What about, um, I know we made this, uh, the best, the best kind of purchase that a seller can make when launching a product is a full price purchase or whatever is uh, listed at, um, obviously in competition with whatever else is out there. You're talking about rebates or we're talking about cash back in that model. What is the best, what's kind of the most efficient way to facilitate this in this regards? Because how we alluded to it earlier, you're going to be compensating people for purchasing a full price product. Mm -hmm. Basically at the end of the day, the buyer is getting it for free. Mm -hmm. You're getting a product quote unquote sold. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's an exchange of uh, goods and monetary value. What is the best way to facilitate all of that without you as a seller getting bogged down? If I'm a one person operation or, you know, you have uh, payment issues or any of those kinds of uh, things that might pop up. Yeah. We take care of all that for you now. We definitely, okay. yeah, we, we facilitate all that for you. So you're never having to like actually collect order IDs and validate them yourselves. Our system is literally going to do that for you. And we're going to send the, uh, the buyer a direct link to essentially get a gift card. And the reason why we choose to use gift cards versus like PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, or any of those other tools is because the email, right? That and uh, yeah, money. And also the fact that these email addresses can easily be triangulated. So think about it like this. Somebody purchases your product, on, they see an ad on their Facebook feed. They opt in, they then go to their Amazon account, they purchase this product probably with the same email address they have on Facebook. Then they give you their email address, which is probably the same email address that's on PayPal or any of these applications. A lot of people don't know Venmo actually owns PayPal and Cash App is owned by Twitter. So just being able to triangulate this information is super big data. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah, big I'm data. Oh my God. Oh my God. Big brother, big data, right? But being able to triangulate this information is super easy. And it's also very vulnerable for the seller to have any of this information be uh, reallocated towards them as well as the buyer. Because again, we're leaving these digital breadcrumbs all across the place. And uh, sellers are wondering, why am I getting slapped on the wrist by Amazon for, for doing rebate campaigns? Well, that could be one of the reasons why. And maybe you're asking for too many reviews. That, that's also another thing that you'd want to factor in. So by having a, uh, a very easy, lightweight and flexible gift card portal, that is going to take care of all that for you. The buyer is safe, the seller is safe. And the fact that we have a massive scammer check or two-step shield that whatever you want to call it, uh, that's going to prevent a lot of, uh, I'm actually going to use a very strange words, ne'er-do-well from, uh, from, from, uh, from getting your product and uh, essentially trying to incentivize off of that. What about, so are you, are you guys afraid that, how, how do you protect from someone leaving a review based upon this kind of like strategy saying like, Hey, I was incentivized, blah, 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 uh, for buying this. And I got a refund or something like that. Is there, is there any sort of protections that you as a seller or you as a company and then as a seller can be protected with, mm -hmm. Hey, we, we don't want to like we're not soliciting for reviews. This is just something that we're trying to get up and running. What's kind of the right processes or the language you want to use when describing this to potential audience? Yeah, absolutely. So if you want at any given point in time, you don't even have to ask for reviews. 
So if you, again, the entire process is automated. You simply click a little button, no reviews. You want to ask for reviews, turn it on, set up your, set up the day and time frame that you want to, uh, excuse me, the, the, the day frame, the number of days that you want to reach out for that person. And then again, um, we're going to essentially curate the reviews for you um, through our, through our system. Um, it's not meant to actually filter, but we just want to make sure that if you're actually going to get a review, that it's a quality one, like five stars. Cool. Well, that, and that's interesting because are you able to predict or so feel that's gonna but, oh, I'm uh, sorry, Josh, I think we, yeah, our, our connection got a little disrupted there. What, is there a way to kind of predictively determine when a customer is going to be passionate enough to write legitimate review and, uh, uh, or, or kind of like predict when there might be opportunity for a good review. Is there any way to know that in your system? Honestly, no, 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 not, not off the top of our head. Maybe we have something in development on the back end. wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, but, but, uh, to, to just say, uh, to, I, I, I kind of look at it like this. If you are targeting qualified people, then the passion for that product is definitely going to come through at the end. It's when you target generalists that you're going to get these very vague, hokey, almost uh, like almost lazily thrown together reviews. Uh, again, it in my personal opinion, targeting is is king when it comes to any kind of product launch. Um, Amazon is already doing all that for you. People that actively have a purchase history of buying again camping products in the past, they're probably going to look for you know drum roll please uh, more camping products, right? So being able to target those people on any kind of social media platform is going to have a massive leg up for you because they're going to see the value in something like that. And again, it's all about how you uh, exchange, how you perceive that value and how you, uh, how you provide your hook to actually bring these people in over time. That's going to have a, uh, a positive effect, an ROI on your listing. Yeah, I mean, good stuff is always like, I, I think that you guys have thought about every little aspect of this in, in that capacity. Is there, is there something where, what more, what more can you guys do? Like, I'm going to ask you the, the difficult question. Where do you think the weakest point of launching products nowadays is the most difficult to, to figure out? Hmm. Whether that's with you guys or just in general of knowing about Amazon. Whether or not it is a viable niche, right? I feel that a lot of sellers, they just are bringing, bring products to the market simply to make a quick buck. And it's it's not necessarily a long-term strategy, it's more of a short-term. So like the product might have a six month life cycle, but somebody that's new to the game, they want to be able to create a very unique niche uh, for those products over time. And they have a passion for it. That passion is obviously going to show through uh, for their products versus somebody that's just trying to collect a, uh, collect a quick buck. Maybe they're selling supplements, maybe they're selling something disposable or something that's easily a me too product. Um, and they could easily beat down the other uh, other sellers uh, with uh, with cheaper price points and more variations and just do whatever they can to actually get that ROI. But um, one thing that I really like to touch upon with that is the benefit for sellers to actually niche themselves down into a particular category and to essentially curate that audience over time because that's what's going to allow them to gain more traction on their next listing, their next launch, their variations, their groups, and it gives that homegrown feel for them. That makes, see, I agree with you. I think that if you go into this with the intent of not just turning and burning, mm -hmm. like a lot of people did in the past, I think building a brand, number one, 
uh, is first and foremost, solving a problem, building a brand and making sure that you're in it to actually um, stand out and not do it so that the Me Too products are very difficult to obviously break out amongst any sort of competition uh, market. So it's finding those ways to say, hey, I'm here to make these products better or make that problem out there a lot better. Um, I just think it's it's so it's so strange that Amazon incentivizes ways for some areas to launch products, but then and then we'll turn away and not and not look at it. But then in other capacities, they'll get super honed in on one way or another launching products, incentivization of reviews and things like that. There's no I feel like there's not a lot of consistency year in and year out, which is really hard to do. So um, that being said, for the for the foreseeable future. Let's talk about Elite Seller one more time. What, what's kind of on the roadmap? You've winked and nudged at me a lot on this this show, and I feel like I'm in the same wavelength as you. But what's on the horizon in terms of the Amazon community for you guys? Um, what, what can we look for that's coming out for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. So we are rolling out a bunch of new integrations. We just released our newest integration, uh, Funnels, not too long ago. Now we have another integration, QR codes and links. This is for post-purchase or any kind of captive audience that you want to re-engage with. And that's truly dynamic from just weighted URLs to sequential URLs to uh, random URLs. And again, uh, the ability to upload any kind of link that you want that you've actively curated, whether this is your own unique uh, keyword link, pixel file links, things like that. Um, all, of, all of these unique softwares are designed to piggyback off of each other. We're actually upgrading our ManyChat module at this moment as well. Uh, I know that we have something along the lines of like VIP lists rolling out too, rolling out soon. So this is to take all the headache out of product launches later on down the line. Um, I'm not too sure how much I can actually talk about because a lot of this is still in development. So um, it is it is very, uh, very forward thinking. Again, this is designed, our platform is specifically designed to handle everything um, that you could possibly want from high level account management to product launches and just essentially have your team do that. I know that we are actively doing updates on our platform on a, on a consistent basis. So uh, the unique aspect of that is that if you stay around long enough, you're going to see something that's definitely going to catch your eye. And I'd recommend that you guys hop over, whoever's listening, hop over to EliteSeller.com, try out our 14-day free trial. You can plug in the code JOSH20 um, right there, which is going to give you 20% off for life right there, 20% off for life. And that's actually going to uh, grow with your account. So if you're a newbie account all the way up to uh, an elite account, that's actually going to work out for you. And again, if you want to actually schedule an appointment with me so that we can uh, do a live demo, you're more than welcome to reach out to me on Facebook. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on almost all social media platforms. Don't check out my Instagram. That's dead. Uh, <laughs> I don't really do anything on Instagram. We got to get rid of Instagram for, for one reason or another, right? Yeah, it's, 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 there's too many, right? Um, but yeah, just feel free to message me and we can definitely set up an appointment. I'd be glad to talk to you about our software and give you guys a, uh, give you guys a wonderful tour. I know that Ryan's already uh, that, that way. Yep. There you go. Uh, Ryan's actually already gotten a, uh, a demo of elite seller a couple months ago and we've since upgraded a lot of things on our platform since then. So, uh, yeah, there's, I feel like I need like a three month or a quarterly review with you guys. Cause you're always constantly changing something. So we listen to our audience. That's the thing. That's the big, That's thing. good. Right? It's like, uh, we're the software company that was created by Amazon sellers for Amazon sellers. So if we stop listening to our Amazon sellers, we're actually doing more harm um, because we don't want to just roll out things that we think are cool. We want to roll out things that you guys find useful for your business to give you that level up to essentially allow you to outwit your, comp uh, out outwit your competition hand over fist every single time. So, you know, by having these unique 
uh, unique factors that you need instead of having ACOS just on a, an account level or tacos on an account level. Now we can see those metrics on a product level, seeing conversions on a product level. Uh, I know that we plan on rolling out a PPC module pretty soon as well too. So PPC management, as well as different marketplaces, because right now we only cover seven marketplaces, but we're actively expanding. Absolutely. And us as an international uh, company and marketplace uh, for any Amazon seller too, we welcome other solutions that I've been super critical coming from the software world of as long as you're innovating, you should always continue to push that envelope. If you become complacent and you just want to become a, we're going to use the term me too software solution where you tap in the same API, you're going to get lost in the shuffle and you won't have any distinguishing features feature to stand out amongst the crowd. Everyone's always looking for another leg up. If you, beginning, if you continue to be an innovative solution and company, which I believe that's what you guys are trying to do, mm -hmm. uh, then there'll always be more opportunity out there. In the world of e-commerce, as can, more sellers come to market, more people get smarter in how they want to innovate and grow their business. Josh, how can people, re you said, reach out to you uh, on social media through uh, uh, Facebook or any Facebook, other places? LinkedIn, uh, you can find me on you can find me on uh, Facebook, LinkedIn. You can find me on, uh, what's it called? Instagram, that software that I definitely don't, uh, that platform that I don't use. Uh, <laughs> you guys can just send me messages all day, every day. Um, or just message Josh on Facebook and he'll he'll make sure he reaches out to you as well. So um, that coupon code again is what, Josh20? Yep, Josh20, and you can just apply it right on, right on our pricing page. And we also have a wonderful catalog of, uh, of tutorials and videos to give you guidance on how to navigate Elite Seller. Amazing stuff, man. Well, thanks so much for hopping on. We can go down many rabbit holes. I know you and I have, but effectively and efficiently launching products. Topic of the day. Uh, thanks for hopping on uh, from beautiful Mexico after your brief stay here in the United States. Uh, well, I'm sure you'll be back here soon enough. Uh, are you guys going to be at any events coming up soon or is there anything we should be looking for? Mm, potentially prosper. Maybe. Prosper, maybe. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was going to say prosper is the one everyone's circling. So we might see you there at prosper. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Joshua. Hold on right there for a second. Let me close out this episode. Thanks everyone for watching again on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. If you are not watching us live, it's a shame, but you can watch this replay on YouTube channel. Just go ahead and search ping pong payments on YouTube and subscribe to our channel. We have a great channel uh, playlist with crossover commerce. All 111 episodes I've ever produced are there. If you have a topic that you want to go back to, it's all relevant information. And every time we put have a guest on this show. We make sure that their contact information and their company can be featured there. If you have questions about them, reach out to us. Uh, you can follow me on social media on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn as well. That way you can, if you have a question about one of our past guests, or if you need a connection with a company, let me know. We want to make sure that happens to help you elevate your business as well. But for Josh Porter from Elite Seller, I'm Ryan Kramer with Ping Pong Payments. This is Crossover Commerce. Tune in next week is when we'll go live again. We'll have a bunch of new episodes for you live. So make sure that you subscribe to us on social media. And if you don't have a Facebook or if you don't have a ping pong account, go ahead and check out that link below. Send for free today. There's no harm. You can actually save more money today than when you started out the day. So might as well go ahead and check out ping pong payments today when your international payments, whether sending, receiving, or paying off your taxes. Taxes, uh, tax day in the United States just happened, but as Amazon sellers, as you know, there's constant taxes being paid on VAT and GST. Go ahead and check that out um, on Ping Pong uh, at the link below. Um, it's for our Crossover Commerce podcast link. It's CC podcast um, down there in the description below. But again, I'm Ryan Kerman, the host of this show. Tune in next week for another 
bunch of episodes for Crossover Commerce. Take care, everyone.